Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. I was going to try to do this, but I don't have snap buttons, and I wasn't really into ripping all my buttons off. So, um, but Chelsea Edens made me a shirt that just simply says, if it ain't brown, it ain't going down. Um, And that is my quote, just so you know. So, um, new Thanksgiving shirt, um, just a great rule to live by. If it ain't brown, it ain't going down at Thanksgiving. Um, Trust me, you can thank me for it later when you're bloated. Um, If you've got gluten allergies, (laughs) don't do it. Um, But... Hey, we've been in a series called Snooze Button Christianity. Um, There are a ton of people gone. There's a ton of people traveling and racing, and we are glad that you are here today. Um, And we are ending this series today. Um, and, and really, this has been a great series for us to talk about, that there's just been a lot of areas that some of us have been hitting the snooze button on. And in his book, The Five-Second Rule by Mel Robbins, he says this, scientists have recently discovered that when you hit the snooze button, it has a negative impact on brain function and pro- productivity that can last up to four hours. And here's what you need to know. We sleep in cycles that take 90 to 110 minutes to complete. About two hours before you wake up, these sleep cycles end and your body starts to slowly prepare to wake up. When your alarm rings, your body is in wake-up mode. If you hit the snooze button and drift back to sleep, you force your brain to start a new sleep cycle that is 90 to 100 minutes long. When the snooze alarm goes off 15 minutes later, the cortical region of your brain, so you know I didn't write that just by that phrase right there, the cortical region of your brain, which is part of the brain that is responsible for decision-making, attention, alertness, and self-control. Some of you are like, that must still be developing in my life. It's still in the sleep cycle. It won't be able to snap awake and need 75 more minutes to finish what the snooze button started. This is why you feel so groggy when you get up after hitting the snooze. It's not because you didn't get enough sleep. Some of you are like, yes, it does. Um, It's because you hit the snooze button and you started a new sleep cycle and then interrupted it. And I am so glad for some of you, I just ruined the snooze button for you because I hate the snooze button. Um, That is my issue, not yours. Um, But here's the deal. Even more so when it comes to our spiritual life, there's a bunch of us that we've just been hitting the snooze button and what God is wanting to awaken in our life. And Jesus said this, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. 
Or for some of you, the old school says, have it more abundantly. And really, there's a lot of us that we're not living this abundant life. We're not living this full life because we've just been hitting the snooze button on a lot of different issues in a lot of different areas in our spiritual life. And in this series, we've been talking about, man, growing equals changing. And some of us, we've just been pushing snooze on really stepping in and becoming that man and becoming that woman that God has asked us to become. We talked about friendships and that you got to wake up and start being the friend that you should be and your friends need you to be instead of just hitting the snooze button and saying, I don't have time to be the friend. I don't feel like being the friend. Last week, we talked about being thankful and not being a person that is a when-then thankful person. I'll be thankful when this happens, then I'll be thankful. When this happens, then I'll be thankful for it. No, no, no. Not to compare your life, not to feel entitled through life, but to be thankful where you are with what you've got going on. Um, And and this week, kind of really take off the gloves, and we're going to be talking about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. It's a hard topic to talk about when you talk about it like Jesus did. It's right here in your face. And what we don't understand is there's a lot of us that we're struggling with unforgiveness, and it's not just affecting other people. The big part is it affects you a whole lot more than the people you have refused to forgive. Unforgiveness goes with you. You've carried it into current relationships, past relationships, you got all this baggage and nobody's making you carry it around except you and it's hurting your health. There's an article out by the Cancer Treatment Centers of America said this, unforgiveness is classified in medical books as a disease. According to Dr. Stephen Standiford, chief of surgery at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, refusing to forgive makes people sick and keeps them that way. With that in mind, forgiveness therapy is now being used to help treat diseases such as cancer. It's important to treat emotional wounds or disorders because they really can hinder someone's reaction to the treatments, even someone's willingness to pursue treatment, Standiford explained. And so this morning, I want us to talk about how do we stop hitting the snooze button on forgiving other people? How do we step in and awaken ourselves and our lives to this full life that God has called us to live and walk out this life extending forgiveness to those who need it? The first thing we need to understand is this, is stop carrying something you were never supposed to pick up. Stop carrying something, stop picking up something that you were never supposed to pick up in the first place. You were never supposed to pick up bitterness. You were never supposed to pick up hatred. You were never supposed to pick up unforgiveness that you have towards others. But Justin, you don't know the story. I don't know the story. I don't know the situation, but what I do know is that you and I as followers of Christ we're never meant to pick up unforgiveness. Genesis chapter two and chapter three. You guys know the story of Adam and Eve. You know the story of creation and we, we kind of pick up when everything gets crazy, right? Genesis chapter two, verse 15 through 17 says this. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden Accept the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Chapter three, verse one says, the serpent was the shrewdest 
of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Let me just say this. If you see a snake that talks to you, you are not in some weird Harry Potter movie. That's demonic and you better run. Like I'm just telling you, number one reason I don't like snakes. Um, but of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband with, who was with her and he ate it too. This, this, this little passage of scripture is so full of so many messages. Um, and I will just say this, all the men that always like to blame the woman, the man was right there with her. He wasn't doing his job at guarding her. He, he was right there with, there's fruit, right? There's cobbler on the menu, give me some, right? That's, that's what Adam did. He's just like, okay, let's eat. Um, he didn't do what he was supposed to, but, but the, what I love about this passage of scripture, and we're gonna do a series on this sometime, but, but what I love about this, Adam and Eve knew not to pick from the tree of knowledge. They knew it. They knew that if they did, if they touched it, if they ate it, it would harm them, right? They, 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 they knew that. And the tree wasn't on the far reaches of the garden. The tree was right in the middle of the garden, meaning they probably passed by that tree on a very consistent basis. They had to refuse to pick from the tree of knowledge on a very consistent basis. They had to refuse to pick up or to pick off what they had no business carrying around and partaking in. And unforgiveness is the exact same way. The unfortunate reality of life is that somebody's probably gonna do you wrong. Somebody's gonna make you mad. Somebody's gonna talk about you. Hey, if you don't believe me, Thanksgiving's coming up, right? It's coming up. You got family. You got extended family. And you got that one person. Everybody's got that family member. I got that one person. If they open their mouth, God help me. If they say it, say it, test me on this. Fight me. You know, you're just like, let's do this. Um, and, and you got that one person that you're just like, God, let them get sick the night before Thanksgiving because I don't want them to come and eat and I don't want to have to fake it because I'm going to be real. And it's just, no, no, no. And you're going to struggle not carrying unforgiveness around in your life. There's going to be a moment, there's going to be a time where you're going to want to pick the fruit of unforgiveness and carry it around and you've got no business carrying it around because it always affects you more than it does them. And, and here's, the, here's the truth, <laughs> is that you are going to have to consistently decide not to on a daily basis. 
And it's not that God wanted to keep Adam and Eve from something. He knew what was best for them, and he knows what's best for you, and that's why he says, put it down. Uh, when we got moved to Tulsa to get ready to start this church, uh, my, my Charlie was around five years old, um, and, and thank God, I have a very low-maintenance wife. She didn't pay me to say that just now, um, but... She, she is not a big jewelry person, which is, thank you, God, because um, we don't have the budget anyways, right? And especially when we started the church, I mean, we were broke, but we had finally saved some money, and Casey went by this shop called Swarovski or Swarovski or something in the mall that I butcher the name anyways. It sounds like I'm speaking in tongues. You're like, he's got it. He's got it. Um, but um, we're, 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 she walks by and she's like, oh, I, I like that ring. I, I like that ring. And I was like, I bet you do, girl. And then I went in and looked. I was like, hey, that's manageable. This is like costume, expensive costume jewelry, but it's glass, crystal, something. Um, and so I was like, okay, okay. And I got it for her and, you know, I got it for her for Christmas and was like excited to give it to her because I didn't buy her a piece of jewelry she didn't want. Have you ever done that? I've done that. And I was like, you don't really like it? It's like from the Titanic place. You know, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I got it from, anyways, um, I'm about to really go off on a tangent. But had that moment. I got her something she liked and was excited. And when she opened it, our little girls were like, ooh, look at that. And I looked at them and I said, you don't touch it. You don't look at it. You don't breathe on it. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's mom's. Don't touch it. Do you know what I just did? I dared them to touch it. I have convinced, ladies, if you don't want your husbands to touch it, if you don't want your kids to touch it, just tell them it's not that big of a deal, it's not important, and touch away. Because the moment you say don't touch it, I'm telling you, the moment you leave the house, I'm going to be touching it and messing with it. Um, that's just my personality and every man in here. And sure enough, they're doing dress up in the closet and Charlie brings mom the ring in the box and is like, mom, look what I found. And boom, drops a ring on the tile. It's crystal glass, shatters. I'm not home, which is, thank God. Um, in case it's like, Charlie! And I get home, I'm like, Casey tells me, I'm like, who touched it? Who touched who, who? touched it. You know, it's like the golden scepter, like who touched it? Um, and I, I was like, why, why did you touch it, Charlie? It was, was that yours? No, no, you're right. It wasn't yours. Put it down. Don't touch it. You know, she's fine. She's gone through therapy and counseling. We're good. <laughs> but here's the deal. The, the reality of that ring was it was never the same. She tried to fix it, we tried to glue it, and it looked all janky, and she's like, my man loves me. I was like, put that ring away. That's a bad representation of how much your husband loves me, you know? He got this on discount. Um, you know, it, and here's the deal. We, we, we say, well, it's not gonna affect me, and it's destroying you because you're picking something up you were never supposed to pick up in the first place. Well, it's not affecting my life that much. It's cracked and busted, and you don't even know it. That's how much a weight unforgiveness has 
in our life. It's almost like when we went to Colorado, the last trip we went to Breckenridge and you know, like all the condo units in there have a carbon monoxide detector. Well, ours went out like the second night. Started beeping, it was old, it was junky. I was like, it's just a carbon monoxide detector. It's not working, we're fine. Casey's like, no, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. You don't know if carbon monoxide's in your, your, uh, your condo. You just fall asleep and never wake up, Justin. How, how do you know it's the carbon monoxide's just old? I'm like, cause it's old, do you see it? Like, it's old, I can, I can tell. You, know, you, you just, I'm just like, Casey, I'm getting really sly or tired right now. I'm just getting sleepy. She's like, shut up right now. And all of me and the girls are just pretend like we're getting sleepy all the time for the rest of the trip because carbon monoxide, you don't know it's going to kill you until it's too late. And the same thing is true for unforgiveness. You don't know it's having an impact. You don't know it's having a destructive impact on your relationships and on your health until it's too late. And you and I are called to put it down. That anger you have this morning, put it down. That bitterness Inside what they should have never, no, they shouldn't have. But put down that bitterness. The wrong that you still feel, man, man, put it down. Don't pick up something you were never meant to carry because it's destroying you. Paul said this in Ephesians. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Stop being mean. Stop having a bad temper and being angry. Quarreling, harsh words, and dislike of others should have no place in your lives. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. Second thing I would tell you is this. You got to give it to get it. When it comes to forgiveness, you got to give it to get it. Chloe, this past Halloween, had a slew of candy. Like, I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. And, and the reason is, is because we didn't walk with, we just let Chloe and her friends go. And they ran from house to house to house to house as fast as they could. And they filled up like a grocery bag, like not, I'm not talking your, I'm talking the old paper bags, like of candy. And I was like, there's no way. I felt like that old guy on the commercials talking about diabetes. You know, there's no way you can eat that candy or you're going to get the diabetes, right? Like, dude, no, you're going to have cavities. And so we let her have a lot of it. And then we said, okay, you can have some at lunch, but you have to take some to give to all the kids at your table at lunch. And she's like, okay, because now she's like Willy Wonka at her school table. She's like, and there's candy for you or the Oprah Winfrey of the elementary school. There's a car for you, a car for you. Chloe's just like candy, desk, dimes, dimes, dimes. You know, like there's candy for everyone. It's rain and candy and, and it's fun for her. And I wish giving forgiveness was fun like giving candy, but it's not. That's just the reality. Giving forgiveness is really, really, really hard. And there's a, a favorite passage of Scripture for every believer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. We know it. We grew up with it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 12, it says this, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus said this in that prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He he knew this line would be really hard for his followers, for his disciples to stomach. He, he, He knew this was gonna rub some people the wrong way. Because he said, forgive our debts as, you, as we forgive our debtors. What's a, what's a debtor? Somebody that owes you, right? Somebody who is at your mercy. Some of you, you know this feeling every time you get your credit card statement. And you're like, ooh, I owe them. And it's not even Christmas time. Good luck. Um, we'll be doing Dave Ramsey at the beginning of this year, um, next year. But, um, you know, forgive our debts as we forgive our Debtors, people who owe you, people who are at your mercy, people who need you to wipe out their transgressions, to release them from the debt they owe. That's a debtor. And forgiveness means this. To forgive means to excuse a fault, to absolve from payment, pardon, Send away, cancel, and bestow favor unconditionally. So, so here's the question this morning. Who is in debt to you? Who has done you wrong? Who is waiting on you to forgive them? For some of you, it's your spouse. There's things they've done, they hurt you, they betrayed your trust, and you said that, but, but you haven't released them. You bring it up anytime you feel it or anytime they've done so. Well, you remember what you did. That, that's not forgiveness. For some of you, it's an it's a old boyfriend. It's an old girlfriend. For some of you, get real honest. I do this every once in a while when I know it's safe to do it. It's an ex-spouse. That's tough. It's an old friend group. Some of you, it's church. It's family members. Who, who is it? Because here's what I know. The Lord's prayer only holds power when you release forgiveness. The Lord's, the Lord's prayer really is only powerful when you release forgiveness. And Jesus knew that. Jesus knew his disciples were in the middle of a culture that they hated the Romans, they hated the Samaritans. The Romans did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, to whoever they wanted. They didn't have to have a reason. They just came in and conquered Israel and Jerusalem and they were Romans so they were better than you, could do what they wanted to do and it didn't matter. They didn't have to ask for permission. And Jesus says, it's those people Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And he knew, he knew thousands of years ago that we would struggle with this. And so right after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this right after. Matthew 6, 14 through 15. For if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Your sins. He didn't just say this one time either. It says this in Mark chapter 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. 
I know this is tough. But this is, this, this is the words of Jesus. This, is, this isn't, like some of us are like, well, we would love it if this was Paul because you're like, well, that's Paul. You know, that's just, <laughs> that's in the New Testament, it's in the Bible, but he was not like the main character in the Bible. This is, the, this is Jesus. This is the main numero uno guy. And he says this, if you want to get it, you got to give it. If you want to get forgiveness, you've got to give forgiveness. And that's not easy. And you're not going to feel like it. And if you wait to fill yourself to forgiveness, you will never arrive there. You will just keep hitting the snooze button week after week because there will always be an emotion that raises up that says, no, I I can't do it. No, I remember. No, there's going to be that anniversary. There's going to be that moment. There's going to be a situation that reminds you. There's going to be days that you just have. and, And you've got to decide to wake up and live this abundant life and get out of your slumber and stop hitting snooze. You can't let your emotions dictate your decisions, but you've got to choose to forgive. You've got to choose to release the unforgiveness and to extend forgiveness because if you wait to feel like forgiving, you will never arrive there. And I've got to tell you, your emotions very rarely, seldomly ever lead you in directions that are healthy for your soul, that are beneficial for your soul. Man, hear me. Put it down. Give it away. Give forgiveness so that you might be able to receive it. Well, how do I do that? How how do I do that? Because it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to implement it. Because that's hard. Some of us, I think we want to. We just don't know how to. So how do I release forgiveness? I, I would tell you this, is that you've got to learn to wash rinse and repeat. Wash, rinse, and repeat. There is a, a, a shampoo algorithm that on the back of your shampoo, Garnier Fructis, um, but on the back of your shampoo says, wash, rinse, and repeat when necessary, right? Because sometimes if you got really nappy hair, it ain't going to take in the first take, right? If you, you got to wash it again and rinse it again. and re- You got a middle higher, you just say, come on, keep washing because you still stinky. Um, you wash, <laughs> rinse, and repeat. If you put a lot of product in, if you did Halloween and you put all this color and stuff, some of us, we just call that getting your hair colored on a regular basis. You got to wash it. You got to rinse it. And sometimes you've got to repeat for it to take. And here's the interesting thing about this is that if you would literally take this, um, this advice, it would result in an endless loop of repeating the same steps. You just repeat the same steps. I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it until it takes. I got to tell you, what's true for washing your hair is true when it comes to forgiveness. Not wash, rinse, repeat. What are you talking about? But I want to give you an algorithm. The first one is simply this. You got to recognize it. You've got, you've got to recognize it. Nothing gets better by you pretending something didn't happen or something isn't real. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, but to those who are willing to listen 
And I would say that right now. You may have already shut me off like, I hate this message. Um, But for those of you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Love your enemies. Jesus was saying, man, I'm not naive enough to not think you don't have enemies. Love your enemies. Recognize that somebody has hurt you. Recognize somebody has done you wrong because nothing gets better by me trying to toughen it. Well, it didn't hurt. They didn't affect my life. I know not that big of a deal. It was a big deal. It did hurt, and it did make an impact. If I, get a, if I spill something on my shirt, and I say, I didn't spill anything on my shirt, but there's a big old spot there. It doesn't make it go away, does it? Like, you got something on your shirt. No, I no, I don't. No, I don't. It didn't. Well, it didn't hurt when it fell on my shirt. Well, it still doesn't mean the stain's not going to set in. You know how the stain doesn't set in is if I address it quickly. And some of us, we've been refusing to address that there was a problem, and it set into your life just like a stain on a shirt. And if it's going to get better, you've got to recognize it. Second thing is this, pray for them. Wait, <laughs> I, have, I have waited to walk out up until this point, but are you for real right? I'm not, this, this is what the Bible says. Luke chapter six, verse 28 through 36, coming right after what we just read, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. I have yet to do that. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. I struggle with that. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. I love what it says here, 32. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High God, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Bless those who curse you. Pray pray for those who hurt you. You want me to pray for them, Justin. Not me. Him. Pray for, oh, I'll pray for them. I will pray that Jesus comes back today because I know they ain't ready and they're not making the trip. God, come now. Even so, come quickly, Lord. Come on. I'm ready. Do it. Here's the, here's the deal. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. God, show them how stupid they were, how wrong they were. Let them pay for everything. No. No. I've said those prayers too. I'm not, there's a reason I know those prayers. I, I got it. I know. It's really hard to hate someone while praying for someone. It is. That's why I'm always telling husbands to pray for your wives before you go to bed. Because no matter how mad you are or irritated you are, it's hard to stay irritated and mad while you're praying over your wife. It's the best thing you can do for your marriage. 
It is hard, almost impossible to hate someone while praying for someone. And the truth is, when you boil down unforgiveness, unforgiveness is hate. Well, I wouldn't say that. That just, that sounds mean. It's not politically correct, but that's the truth. It's the truth. You don't have good feelings towards them? Man, pray for them. Because what it does, it removes the hate from your soul, from your life, and it frees you. The third thing I would tell you, the third thing in the algorithm is this, repeat if necessary. Sometimes it takes time to take. Sometimes it just takes time for it to take. Martin Luther King said this, forgiveness is not an occasional act, it is a constant attitude. It's something that we constantly do. In Colossians chapter three, verse 12 through 13 says this, so chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even tempered, content with second place, I struggle with that. Second place is first place loser, according to Ricky Bobby. Um, Content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. And I love this line, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Quick to forgive an offense, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And I've gotta gotta shut this down because we're getting ready to take communion. Have you forgiven completely? I'm working on it. That's fine. And you may have to keep washing, keep rinsing, and keep repeating because you haven't forgiven completely yet. You still hold it over them. You still bring it up. It's still affecting in here. So keep recognizing it. Keep praying for them. And keep doing it. Sometimes it takes time for it to take I really am shutting up after this. I planted some fescue on, in my backyard. We put some sod down. And in October, I threw some seed down. Like, it should take in a few weeks, right? Didn't take. I still got this big, huge, little muddy spot where there's no grass growing. I'm like, well, that totally stinks. I bought a bag of grass. It was a whole $30, and I put some effort into it. I aerated my yard. Come on, man. Like some grass, grow grass. You know, I'm just like talking to it. Like good things are supposed to happen if you talk to it. Like some of you are like, you're getting a hold of the wrong grass. Um, But I I was talking to the grass, not smoking it. I was talking to it and be like, "Come come on, grass, grow. It wouldn't grow. And I'm just like, you know what I'm gonna be doing next spring? Plant some more seed. Takes time to take. Think, keep doing good. Keep trying to start something, some growth happening in a place that is barren. And that's forgiveness. And sometimes you got to, takes time for it to take. And all I can tell you is keep sowing. Keep sowing good and keep praying. Man, keep recognizing and keep going through it, but don't pick it up. Give it so you can get it. So your soul can be healthy and well, and stop hitting the snooze button and live that full life. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. (coughs) We thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. (coughs) And God, 
This is such a hard area, such a touchy area when it comes to our life. And Lord, there's some of us that that, that, the hurt, the people that have come in and, and the relationships that have damaged us, Lord, they almost destroyed us. They took us to a place that it took years to recover from. And some of us were still in the process of recovering. And to hear a message about forgiveness, extending forgiveness to that person, that's tough. That's hard. But God, I just pray that we would realize you know what's best for us. And so when you tell us not to pick it up and carry it around, we were never intended to because it's not what's best for us. And so Lord, I pray in this place this morning that there would be a recognizing in our life of what's going on, of what's happening. That we we just recognize first off that man, we got burned. We got hurt, we got taken advantage of so that we can address it quickly, so that we can forgive. We can't forgive completely if we refuse to recognize. And God, that we would take the next step of praying for them. That, that your word would be in action. God, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but doers of it. Because the word only transforms our life when it's applied to our life. So, Lord, I pray for the application of the word that we would begin to pray for those who hurt us. To pray for that person that tried to destroy us. God, it's not easy. It's, It's not easy. God, I pray that we would do the hard thing so that we could live this life to its fullest measure. Not bitter, not angry, but that we can come to a place where we have forgiven quickly and completely. Lord, move. And it may take time. This isn't going to be an overnight process, but let us choose forgiveness today instead of carrying something around that we were never intended to pick up in the first place. It's in Jesus' name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning if you're here. You say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. This morning you may be here and maybe it's just about recommitting your life to the Lord. You drifted. You don't, you don't know when, you don't know how, but you know you drifted. You know you're not where you're supposed to be. Just a second, I'm going to count to three, and all I want you to do is raise your hand, and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to lead you in another room, have you stand up or anything like that. All we're going to do is lead you in a prayer because we serve a God that we believe he sees a hand and he changes a heart. If that's you, when I get to three, man, make the best choice you could ever make. One, two, 
three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. There's one, there's two. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. You say, Justin, yeah, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me. I want to join these three hands before I go any further in service. Man, I don't want this moment to pass me by. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands that are lifted. If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask that your love and grace would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these three individuals that raised their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.